us, but there are certain Sundays that just seem to bless my soul more than others when it comes to what transpires during our corporate worship time. Um, this is one of those Sundays for me, uh, to hear the testimony of people coming to faith in Jesus Christ through a Christian family, through rough circumstances, through uh, uh, when they're young, whether they're older, uh, and then to sing these songs that we've been singing this morning uh, that are a blessing to me, and I hope they were a blessing to you as well. Uh, one of the um, principles that we say we value is, is doctrinal depth. And what we mean by that is that a passion for God pulls us deeper into His Word. All right? And you're used to me saying these things from time to time, but this one stands out for me in a special way today. A passion for God pulls us deeper into His Word. One of the uh, realities that is um, facing me is, is the way God is growing me here at Merrimack Valley Baptist Church that I would not have otherwise grown potentially in other areas. So God has a purpose for me being here. Um, and, and part of that is uh, in, in uh, growing through my preaching, right? Gr- getting better, uh, hopefully, you know, in time. Bear with me. But I thought about this doctrinal death, passion for God pulls us deeper into His Word, and it made me think, over the last few weeks, I think I got pulled deeper to the point where I couldn't see the forest because of the trees. So what I want to do today is I want to back up a little bit, and we're going to take, with less time, more verses, and we're going to go ahead and work through First uh, John chapter 3, 1 through 10. We've already covered 1 through um, 6 uh, up to this point, but we're going to go ahead and, and do that this morning. And uh, so let me make sure I actually have this, this turned on here this morning. But over the last few weeks, we've been, we've been addressing this question. How do I know I'm a child of God? And, and uh, we invite you always, if you're new with us, if you've been with us forever, and you're, you're still wrestling with this question, how do I know I'm a child of God? Um, listen to the Word of God. Listen to the preaching and teaching of word, the Word of God, no matter when it's taking place. And, and, and you will find out this answer. Uh, it struck me as I was hearing the testimonies for the second time today uh, of how people have struggled with their, their um, you know, is there more? Uh, is there something else I have to do to get saved? It, it's, it's, it seems so simplistic that it's all of Christ and nothing of me. And and if, if I can give praise to God this morning, um, I'm not one of those people. Uh, when God revealed himself to me through his word, direct interaction, I know I complained about that first service too. I keep thinking someone's having a coronary heart attack, right? All right, don't have one of those right now. I might miss it, all right, because I'm thinking it's the air handler, all right? But I remember when, when Jesus Christ came into my life, as in a saving knowledge of him. There was no turning back for me. I, I knew I had stepped from death to life. I knew I had come from darkness to light. I, I knew I was different from the inside out. And I never struggled with assurance. I didn't fully understand the gospel uh, in, in, in my early youth, and you know, my youth as a, as a believer. I mean, I had to mature in my understanding of certain aspects, but I knew God did something that only God can do. And so how do you know if you're a child of God this morning? Well, we're going we're gonna to consider this big idea, and that is this. And I reworded it slightly. We've been covering this one. Really, this is the third week in a row that we've had some semblance of this big idea. 
I, I actually threw out last week's big idea so, and replaced it. Because this is the overriding argument, the overriding thought that's driving John. It is this. Children of God display the character of God. It is a statement of reality. If you call yourself a child of God today, you should see His character being displayed in your life. It should not be some foreign thing like, yeah, I've never seen that. No, no, don't, don't know what that is. Well, then you're not a Christian because if you're a Christian, your, God's character will show through because it's not of you, it's all of Him. So it's, it's a statement of reality, but it's also an exhortation, right? It's an exhortation to live in light of this. If you call yourself a child of God, live like it. But don't seek to live in your own strength. John's going to unpack this as we go through. And I'm gonna, but I just want you to understand, I think the burden of John's heart is that there's a group of people that he loves, and he's writing to them, and he's communicating to them that they are in danger, that there are, are lies being told, and he's trying to clear it up. But he's telling them very clearly, children of God, display the character of God. You should see it in your life. So we're, we're going to cover 1 John 3, 1 through 10, and we're going to move right along in, in this, and we're gonna, but I, I, I want to get a flow for it, so we're going to read all through it again, and, and then I want you to, to uh, bask in the beauty of what John is saying. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called children of God. Therefore the world does not know us because it did not know Him. Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when He is revealed, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. And everyone who has this hope in Him purifies himself just as He is pure. Whoever commits sin also commits lawlessness, and and sin is lawlessness. And you know that He was manifested to take away our sins, and in Him there is no sin. Whoever abides in Him does not sin. Whoever sins has neither seen Him nor known Him. Little children, let no one deceive you. He who practices righteousness is righteous just as he is righteous. He who sins is of the devil. For the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whoever has been born of God does not sin. For his seed remains in him, and he cannot sin because he has been born of God. In this, the children of God and the children of the devil are manifest. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is he who does not love his neighbor. As, as we conclude there, we'll deal with the love your neighbor aspect as he's leading into, this is a transition text, verse 10, we'll get there. Uh, but I want you to uh, understand that he began and he concludes very similarly talking about being a child of God. And so as we consider this whole idea of being a child of God, to be children of God is to know the love of God. This is going back to, to uh, verse 1. And we've covered this, but as iron sharpens iron, it was made to, it came to my attention in a very gracious and loving way that we sang about the love of God, but we never really talked about it. So let's talk about the love of God for a minute. 
This idea of behold, I've already said, it's to get our attention. It's to draw our attention to one thing, and that is this manner of love, this love of the Father has been bestowed upon us. What do I mean by that? It is the reality that God is the one who gives gifts. And He gave the gift of salvation to all those that call upon the name of Jesus Christ. Uh, It it, it reminds me of, um, let's see, do I have the verse there? I I do. Uh, No, I don't. All right. I'm sorry. It reminds me of of the the gospel of John in in chapter 1 where, and I just turned from it. I was already there. All right. So now I got to do this and entertain all you folks at the same time. I thought I'd already covered it. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John 1. John 1, verse 12. I'm going to start at verse 11. In John's gospel, it reads, He came to his own, speaking of Jesus, and his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. To those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, not of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So we, we sit there and say, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us, that we should be called children of God. John is saying that not all creatures are children of God. John is saying in his gospel that we are supposed to rebuke anyone who says, Well, we're all children of God, because no, we're not. Only those who have come to a saving faith in Jesus Christ are children of God. And by that statement of truth, we can easily just overlook the amazing nature of this, that God has deemed it His purpose to call people to Himself to call them children, His children. I have children. I know what it means to have children. And the news of having a child, and, 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 and it may hit you in different ways, but once that child is in your midst, you are mesmerized. You are willing to do anything for that child. And God says, behold what manner, uh, John says, behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed, what he has given to us, that we should be called his children. And, and John unpacks this idea of being a child of God and the implications both now and in the future. And, bo- and also what it is to mean to, for us to live our life now as children. And so as we unpack this, let's never get over this idea that this new life we have in Christ, this being born again, this being a child of God, this being able to give a testimony of our faith, is all because of God's love for us that was given to us in the gift of Jesus Christ. We see, first of all, that being a child of God means that we are different from the rest of the world, the rest of the people in the world. There's a difference. If you look at that verse, the, the, second, the last part of it says, Therefore the world does not know us because it did not know Him. There's this reality that, that as we, as children of God, the world doesn't get us. We are different. Have you ever felt different? Have you ever felt different from, from others who are um, uh, living their life according to their principles and passions and, and, and all that? Uh, we, should, we should recognize that this difference is a good difference. It may not always feel good, but it is always good. Uh, since we're going to never lose sight that this is a gift, uh, and, that, and we, we need to consider the fact that there's nothing special that called us, that caused us, or excuse me, that caused God to save us. Have you, ever, have you thought about that? That in the God's great love, He did not, 
He did not respond to your goodness. He did not respond to your good works. He did not respond to your wonderful personality. He actually responded to your sinfulness. He responded to the fact that without his calling you to himself, without sending his son into this world, that you would spend an eternity separated from him. We call that hell. He responded to your sinfulness and to my sinfulness, and, and he sent his son. And so when we think about being a child of God, as wonderful it is, it means that in this world, in this life, we are different from the rest of the people around us. And this explains this idea of being different. It, it doesn't always feel good. It's, it's, uh, it explains why Christians are misunderstood when they seek to honor God with their lives. And we could have a testimony service. We were talking about that uh, in between services. Someone saying, we used to have testimony services. And, and I, th- I think some of the worship nights we're planning in the coming year, we'll be able to uh, have some of those testimonies. And, and, and I love to hear people praise God for what's going on in their life. But the, the reality is we are often misunderstood when we're trying to live out our Christian faith. We're often maligned because of trying to live out our faith in Jesus Christ. And it is this reality, because they don't get us. Let's not forget what it says. It says, therefore the world does not know us. We are strange to them. We are foreigners to them in many ways when we're living out our Christian faith, because the world does not know God. Remember in the, in the text that we have read, uh, well, excuse me, in the first, in the, in the John 1 passage, it's talking about the fact that Jesus came to his own and they didn't even receive him. The Jews didn't even receive them, and they should have recognized him, certainly. So being a child of God means we are different. So if you're different, that might be some displaying of God's character that is being actually taking place, and it's not being received well by the world. Being children of God has implications for eternity and for today. But let's talk about eternity first. As we look at, as we go through chapter, verse 2, chapter 3, it says, Beloved, now we are the children of God. It's a present reality, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. John takes a moment. He's saying, listen, let's look to eternity for a minute. I don't know what John doesn't even know what it fully looks like. He says, I don't know what it really looks like totally, but I know this. We will, uh, uh, but we know that when he is revealed, right, when, the, when Jesus returns, We shall be like him in some way, for we shall see him as he is. So as we consider this truth, this idea that being a child of God, uh, it means that uh, there there are implications for eternity. Uh, Our present reality is that we are children, but the, the, the future reality is that we are going to be somehow different. We're going to be somehow like Jesus. I'm asking you to remember the transfiguration of Jesus Christ in front of a few of his disciples, right? Peter, James, and John, I believe it was. And they're up on that mountain. And Jesus, uh, he's displayed in his glory. And they were all dumbfounded. They were struck with awe. And Peter muttered some words that I'm sure he probably regretted later on. It's like, well, that was really stupid. But, but he was trying to comprehend what was taking place. And as we think about this, this idea of this future, we're somehow going to see Jesus in his glory. We're going to somehow see God the Father in, in glory. And we're, we're going to receive this future reality is for all children of God. So this idea of being a child of God has implications for eternity. It's the idea that 
the way we live now is supposed to be in light of this. We can look to the future and we can, we can recognize the, the truth of what God is saying and, and believe that He is coming again and He is going to, and we are going to be different than we are even today. We, we will be able to know life, N-O-K-N-O-W, with no, N-O, sin. We're going to know life with no sin when we're in God's presence. And we will be like Him. And I don't know exactly what that means. I don't know if John knows exactly what that means. It doesn't mean we're going to be God. We're not going to be God. We're going to be similar in fashion to Him in His holiness at least. And maybe there's other things going on there. But I'm, I'm saying right now, I know this. When we see Him, the only way anybody's in the presence of God is because they are holy. They are righteous. And John's going to pick up on this righteousness aspect. He's already introduced it. Uh, but as we go forward, there's, uh, there's uh, implications for eternity, implications for today. And this is kind of where we concluded. It's the, uh, on the first um, message in this series. It says, and everyone who has this hope, what hope? That hope of seeing Jesus in his glory, right? And everyone who has this hope, which is the gospel, that's what I said, everyone who has this hope in him, right, purifies himself. There's some aspect where this, this future reality is supposed to impact our day-to-day living. And we're supposed to be purifying ourselves, taking actions in our life to, to do what we are able to do in the power of the Holy Spirit to, to live a life that, honor, that honors God. He says that's what we're doing. You're doing this to yourself, purifying yourself just as he, speaking of Jesus, is pure. John is saying, listen, this future reality is a, has present implications, and we are supposed to live this out. Everyone who has this hope is going to do this. And, and, and it's one of those things. It's an exhortation. Yeah, you need to clean up your act. No, 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 no. You need to live out your faith. Don't, don't clean up. Don't think somehow you can do something to make you better in, in, in the eyes of God. No. Live out your faith. Draw upon the teachings of God's Word. Allow the purity of Jesus to influence and purify you through His Word. Now, the, what's, what John, I think, is doing here is he's contrasting purity with sinless, sinfulness, right? Purity and sin. And I think as, as we go through, we're going to see this, uh, this truth. Displaying God's character identifies us as His children. So we're saying children of God display the character of God. It's it's. True. It's a statement of reality. What we're saying here is when we are displaying God's character, other people notice. And it's a, it is, how do you know you're a child of God? Well, when you look like him. When you're, dis- when you're revealing, displaying his character. Displaying God's character identifies us as his children. Uh, I want to start at the end. I want to start at uh, verse 10 of this section. In this, the children of God... And the children of the devil are manifest. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is he who does not love his brother. This is the conclusion of of this section. It's also an introduction to the next section, but it's also a summarization of what he's talking about in verses 4 through 9. He's saying, listen, you want to know what the children of God look like? Well, the children of God do not look like the children of the devil. There is this distinction. There are family resemblances going on here, and you know them by the way it's described here. Uh, the children of God uh, are, uh, in this, the children of God, uh, 
my glasses. In this, the children of God and the children of the devil are manifest. Whoever does not practice righteousness. This idea of practice is the idea of, uh, the idea of living out the faith, right? Uh, whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God. That's the children of the devil. So have this idea of the two families, the children of God and the children of, of, of Satan, in your mind as, as we go back to verse 4, where we're going to see that there is a difference between the actions of Christians and the actions of non-Christians. And this may seem like a Christianity 101, one of those does, like, duh, pastor, we know this. Fact is, Christians, we gather together on Sunday morning and, and we come together to worship corporately. And those that are of the world that do not know this truth, they're, they're at home in bed. Or they're in another building with another name and they're not worshiping the God of Scripture. They're, they're, they might be a Unitarian Universalist. Right, that are gathering together on this, but they deny the Trinity, they deny the deity of Christ, you know, and, and so, but yet they're coming together in community. So understand, behold what manner of love the God, the, the, the Father has, has given to us. We are children of God, and when we come together corporately, this is a God honoring practice, but it only honors God if we're involved in it, if we're, if we're participating in it. And what we have to understand is there's a difference between the actions of Christians and the actions of non-Christians. It's, it's, a, it's a duh, but let's see what, what John says. He says, whoever commits sin also commits lawlessness, and sin is lawlessness. We've already covered this. I covered this you know, last week. And, and so, but when you consider this, whoever commits sin, this idea of sin is habitual sin. I'm just going to say it that way this week because I was hemming and hawing last week, and I, I want to just say, as you look at Scripture, we're talking about children of God and children of the devil. Whoever commits sin also commits lawlessness, and sin is lawlessness. This idea of lawlessness, this word lawlessness, I mean, if, you, if I accuse you of being lawless, that means you're a lawbreaker. It also might mean that you're a rebellious person. You rebel against those things. Satan is a rebellious creation of God. He, is, he was a holy angel who rejected God, who, who went, against and wanted, he went against God's teachings. He wanted the glory for himself, and, and he became rebellious. And he has led others, angels, into rebellion. And he steps into this world, and he leads man into sin as a rebellion, uh, in a rebellious, uh, in a rebellion to God. He's saying whoever sins commits rebellion. And so we have to understand there's a difference between the actions of Christians and non-Christians because Christians are not involved in habitual rebellion to God. Do we sin? Yes, John's already acknowledged that. And that's why we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. When we sin, we are convicted by the Holy Spirit and we repent and we turn to, uh, to God and we say, Lord, forgive me. For, for my looking like the world, looking like the child of the devil, when I know I'm a child of God, and, and, and the, the conviction of the Holy Spirit turns you from your, your, from your way. But the world's not doing that. And so we see in verse 6, when we skip verse 5, right? So verse 4 talks about this, this idea of sin, uh, is lawlessness, is rebellion. When you get to, to verse 6, whoever abides in him does not sin. Whoever sins has neither seen him nor know him. Here's this contrast. Children of God, children of Satan. Children of God, if you're, if you're abiding in him and if you have come to faith in Jesus Christ, you are a vine 
that, that, is, uh, that is tied to the branch, Jesus Christ. This is not asking you, to, did you lose your salvation because you sinned? No. He's saying, whoever abides in him, whoever has come to a saving faith in Jesus Christ, you are a child of God, and you are, you are not able to participate in habitual rebellion. You are not able to live a life that is characterized by unwanted sin and, and with no repentance and no conviction. Because God is saying if you're abiding in Him, the Holy Spirit dwells within you. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But on the contrary, children of Satan, whoever sins, whoever habitually, their life is characterized by sinful rebellion, has neither seen Him nor known Him. They have never known Him. This is not a verse to use to say someone can lose their salvation because they sinned. No, it's saying that those who have this habitual sinful lifestyle uh, and, and, and their, that sinful nature, they've never seen him. They've, they, they neither see him nor have known him. And, uh, and that's, that's true of the world, folks. That is by far the reality that we must recognize. This is the world we live in. So the difference in our ability to not sin, because according to the scripture verse we read last week in Romans 6, we, have the, we are no longer slaves to sin. We are slaves to righteousness. We can actually make this choice to not sin, but it's not a choice that we make in our own power. Right? It said the difference in our ability to not sin, which I hope you're uh, exercising that ability, uh, is credited to Jesus' person and work. Notice what he says here in verse 5. And you know that he was manifested. He was God become man, the incarnation of God into man. It's what we celebrate at Christmas. And you know that he was manifested. Why? For what purpose? To take away sin. Because that habitual lifestyle of sin, that, that, that sin that characterizes the lost, those that are children of the, the devil, it needed to be dealt with. Because all of us were in that circumstance prior to our saving faith in Jesus Christ. And you know that he was manifested to take away our sins. John includes himself there. And in him, there is no sin. We talked about this. Jesus is the only one who could have come to take away sins because he was sinless. And he is sinless. So, so the difference in our ability to not sin is credited to what, who he is, the Son of God, and what he did. He is the one that came to take away sins. John's going to say this again in just a few verses in a slightly different way. So we see there are those who will try to blend the differences uh, uh, of righteousness and rebelliousness and proclaim that they are still right with God. As we get into this, this, uh, this next portion of verses um, 7, uh, 8, and 9, oh, and, and really 10, but uh, what we're going to see is John, in his context, he was dealing with actual people that were trying to blend righteousness with rebelliousness. There were people amongst them are saying that, that you can actually have a relationship with God and still do all the things you want to do, all the things that characterized your life prior to coming to a knowledge of who God is. You can do it all. John's saying, no, 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 no. There's two types of children, children of God and children of the devil. And he says, you can't blend this. You can't, you can't blend righteousness with rebelliousness. You can't do it in a habitual fashion, right? Every time we sin, we're in somehow in, in a rebellion against what we're going against what God would want us to do, right? That's the nature of sin. But this is talking about being that as part of our 
nature as in, uh, we have this new nature in Christ. Behold, all, uh, anyone who comes to Christ is a new creature. It's, we, have a new, we are of a new nature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. It's this idea that we cannot live unrighteously as a child of God. He says, little children, term of endearment, let no one deceive you. There were deceivers out there. He who practices righteousness is righteous just as Jesus is righteous. John just nails, the, 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 nails it down right there. He's saying, don't let these people deceive you. You can't be righteous and live sinfully and rebellious. He goes, he who practices righteousness is righteous. Children of God are righteous because Jesus is righteous, because God is righteous, and that is who we have living in us. He says again, he who sins is of the devil. Uh, we saw that in the John 8 passage when he's talking to those religious people. They were like, we have no father but Abraham. And he goes, no, your father is the devil because you're doing the works of the devil. And John is just picking up on that theme and he says, uh, he who sins is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. That is his character. From the first time that he exercised his rebellious nature to God, it has continued since that point and he's led others in that direction. He says, for this purpose... Here it is again, same thing as verse 5. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Twice now, in close proximity, John says, Jesus came for a purpose. It was to take away the sins of the world, such as the Lamb of... Remember, John the Baptist, there is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Now John is trying to establish a little level, of, a, a deeper level of, 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 of teaching to, to, to his readers and for us. He's saying the Son of God was manifested. It's not just this picturesque Lamb of God. It is the Son of God, full deity in full humanity. He was revealed. He's been incarnated. He says, for this purpose, Jesus, the Son of God, was manifested. Why? That he might destroy the works of the devil. Think about it. In our world today, what activity is Satan most active in? He's, he's keeping people from faith in Jesus Christ, causing Christians to question their faith in Christ. He's taking uh, people that are on the fringe of coming to faith. He's, he's doing everything he can to destroy faith in God and Jesus Christ. But why did Jesus come? It says here that Jesus, the Son of God, he came that he might destroy the works of the devil. In other words, he's taken the ability of the devil to do those things. You don't have to question your salvation because of some aspect of your life. If you know you have faith in God and if you see the character of God, if you have the conviction of the Holy Spirit in your life, you're a child of God. Repent of your sin. Move forward. Take that next step of faith. John is saying very clearly here, the children of the devil are not going to do that. But Jesus came to give life and he came to give it abundantly. And, uh, and we see that, that uh, he came to destroy the works of the devil. And that's what he's done for you and for me. As we hear testimonies, as we pray for our friends and relatives, we're praying, Lord, hinder Satan from our loved ones. Allow them to respond to the, to the gospel. Allow them to respond to your word. Please keep him at bay when it comes to the salvation of others. He says in verse 9, Whoever has been born of God does not sin. This is, again, the contrast between the children of God and the children of, of, uh, of the devil. He says, whoever has been born of God does not sin. This is the idea. It's not 
I sin in, in the moment. I, you know, it's talking about that habitual nature of sin. Whoever is born of God does not live that habitual nature of sin in total rebellion to God. You can't do it. You might sin in the same area over and over again. And praise the God, we have Jesus Christ the righteous who is the advocate with our Father because when he was confronting uh, uh, Peter in his smug religiosity, he's like, well, Jesus, if we forgive our brother, should we do it seven times? Jesus said, 70 times seven, Peter. In other words, you just keep forgiving and forgiving and forgiving. If someone is coming to you to repent and to ask for forgiveness, you better forgive them because that's what God does. God will always forgive. He always, he's a forgiving God. He says, whoever has been born of God cannot live in habitual rebellious sin. Because it says here, for his seed remains in him. Famous, I mean, uh, fabulous word there, the idea of seed. Uh, it's the idea of, of uh, what brings life. I'm going to put it that way. All right, and uh, it, it brings life. It's the idea. Is it the gospel? Is it the Bible? Is it the Holy Spirit? Whatever it is, it's abiding with us all the time. Whoever has been born of God does not sin. He does not live in rebellion. Why? Because his seed remains in him. It abides in him. There is absolutely no time where you or I can live a moment of our life without the Holy Spirit in our life convicting us of our sin. Whether it's, what, it's, a, it's a thing, it's a gift from God. This is part of that gift. It is something that remains with us. And we know that greater is he that is in us than he is in the world. We know that's true of the Holy Spirit. We know the word of God does not return void. If it goes forth, it's going to do its work. And if you're a genuine child of God, you cannot help but not live a life of rebellion. It says he cannot sin. That rebellious, that, that continual rebellion towards God. Why? Because he has been born of God. We have new life in Christ, folks. We have been born again if we've come to faith in Jesus Christ. So the question is, have you been born again, right? And a crowd like this, and with this one being streamed, it's the reality. We have to believe every week that there's someone out there who doesn't know that they're a child of Satan. It's never occurred to them that they haven't been living a life that is characteristic of a child of God. But we invite you, anyone who does not see this character of God displayed in their life, we invite you to come to faith in the, in the person and work of Jesus Christ. It is a fabulous truth that we have as believers. I know I skipped over 10, but we already covered it. And this, the children of God and the children of the devil will manifest. This is how we know the difference between the two. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God. If righteousness is not characteristic of your life, if you would say God is never pleased with you in the way you live, not because you're good works, because of what Jesus has done. If you, if you say righteousness, I'm not characterized by righteousness, you probably need to come to faith in Jesus Christ. It says, but nor does he who hates his brother, and then we'll deal with that next week. But the implication, as I said before, is that we will practice righteousness, which is this idea of displaying the character of God. So as we conclude today and, and as we consider all that God has in store for us in the now and in the future, let's recognize that this truth and let's live it out for the glory of God and for the sake of our, uh, those around us. All right, let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. Thank you, Father, that your love is so amazing. 
that you've sent your son to die in our place on the cross of Calvary. Your love is so amazing that, that Jesus didn't stay dead. He resurrected on the third day, rose again according to the scriptures, ascended into heaven, and is seated at the right hand of the God, right at your right hand, and is coming again to judge the living and the dead. Thank you, Father, that there is, no, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ, who are children of God. But, Father, that also means that there is judgment for those who are not in Christ. There is condemnation for those who are children of the devil. Father, two things that we pray today. One, that you would help us to be lights of the gospel into the lives of those who are needing salvation so that they would have an opportunity to repent of their sins and and experience your amazing love as they confess their sins and come to faith in Jesus Christ. Father, we pray that would be true as we live out our faith, that people would come to know you. But Father, we also pray for ourselves. We We pray, Father, that as we as we know, as we believe we know, we believe we have a testimony of faith in Jesus Christ, help us to reflect upon our lives so that we can see the areas that where we need to mature, that we can see those areas that you're saying you need to live righteously. Father, pray that the Holy Spirit would be active in our hearts and our minds daily, pointing out those areas where we need to confess our sin and repent. And Father, we're thankful for the good news that if we confess our sins, you are, you are faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We rejoice in that good news, the good news of the gospel. And Father, we pray that as we leave this place today, we would be those who are not only displaying your character, but seeking to have it displayed in the lives of others through repentance. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.